Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Anybody? Well, happy Father's Day to all of the dads in the room, and uh, we're just excited we get to celebrate you, and we're going to have, we have some lovely assistants who are going to draw and give away some things. If you did not receive one of these tickets, you can slip your hand up real quick. We'd love to get you a ticket. We've got some gift cards we're going to give away to uh, places to eat, Home Depot, Bass Pro Shops, things like that. So, all right, we got the, the first one. Are you ready? All right, we're doing the food first. It's the food first. Oh, she's picking a good one. Five nine seven seven four nine. Seven four nine. Anybody? Yeah, back there in the back. All right, come on, give it up for him. All the way in the back corner, way back here. Raise your hand. There he is. Look at that. She delivers. It's like DoorDash bringing you your gift card. All right, we got Bass Pro Shop. Oh, here she comes. (laughs) Drum roll, please. It's a good one. Five nine seven seven three five. Seven three five. Back there again. All right. Oh, right here. Yes. Here he comes. Come on, give him a hand. Give him a hand. All right, one more. This one's Home Depot. Come on, who can't use Home Depot? You're gonna spend your money there anyway. All right, here we go. Five nine seven seven four two. Seven four two. Yeah, here you go. All right. Come on, can we give a hand to all the dads again? If you didn't win something, we're sorry. There's only so much that we can do. We do have a consolation prize for you. You can take your photo out here in the lobby with your entire family. We would love for you to do that. And, uh, and share those photos. Um, I want to take a moment and pray for where we normally pray for another church in our community. I want to pray for um, just all the fathers and men in general. Just uh, maybe you, you've lost a dad. I know we said this on Mother's Day, but maybe it's a difficult holiday for you. Or maybe uh, you desire to be a father and it hasn't happened just yet. Uh, we want to pray for you. So will you bow your heads and let's just say a word of prayer. God, we thank you for we thank you for this day. This is the day you have made, and we will choose to rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, we recognize today that there might be those that are hurting from loss or, um, or unfulfilled desire. And God, we pray for them that you would comfort them and that you would give them strength and that you would do what only you can do and that miraculous things would happen. Uh, Lord, we pray for all of the all of the fathers in the room and those watching online that you would. Be our, be our guide, be our direction. Lord, help us to lean into you and not our own understanding and just trust you in all of our ways. 
knowing that you're going to make our path straight. You'll show us how to, to parent the way that you want us to. And, and God, we just give you praise and honor and glory uh, for the gift of children and the gift of being a father. And Lord, we thank you that in advance for uh, those with the desire in their heart that you are going to fulfill that desire in their heart. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. I want to encourage you before we get into the word. This Wednesday, our students are heading to uh, the student conference for the summer. And so they're going to be leaving out at 11 o'clock on Wednesday here from the church. And I want to invite you to pray for our students this week. Uh, there's about 20 people that are going uh, to this conference this week. And we want God to do what, what he wants to do in their lives. Just pray that they would be open, pray for safe travels, that uh, God would minister to them this week like only he can. And we believe that he's going to do it. Um, and with that being said, uh, today we have a special treat for you. Um, somebody who has just become a dear friend to many of you, us included, and someone who uh, stepped into a role a little while back to serve this congregation and serve this church as an elder in this church. And uh, there's nobody that I think would be uh, more qualified to speak on Father's Day and encourage all of us and challenge all of us than the one and the only Michael Derringer. Come on, will you put your hands together and welcome to the stage, Michael Derringer. There's some people that say, I, I hope he's the one and only. <laughs> hope, there, hope there's not more of him somewhere. Uh, I just want to say that... Uh, I have I grew up in uh, m around ministries that that saw the pastor of the church as the father of the house and that's who Gabe is and uh, being a father the father of the house that we need to honor him and so we we honor you this morning and honor your family. And it's it's strange to call you a father. Uh, my father, unless uh, unless you've been to Mars and back or something like that, and I've aged while you haven't or something like that, but uh, we do honor you. And and I just want to say, and, and I try to say something about Gabe every time I have the opportunity to share, but I just want to say this morning that I appreciate so much the worship team, and I think Amen. that yeah. I've been wanting to say that for a long time, but uh, they're such a blessing to this church and God has gifted us with uh, with and, and given them gifts and an anointing that uh, really blesses me Amen. and when when Lori and I moved here and we were looking for churches we came here first but you know nowadays you don't have to use the yellow pages you can get online and you can look you can do your church shopping by watching streaming <laughs> and, and we would we would look and, uh, and and we would about be about 60 seconds into a worship somebody else's wor uh, worship uh, streaming and say, nope, <laughs> that's not for us. <laughs> so we really appreciate the blessing that y'all are and the sacrifice that you give to this church. Um, I have done a lot of Father's Day messages in my time. Um, I think one of my favorites was um, when I spent some time talking about the, the best father-son relationship that I found in the Bible, which is God the Father and, and His Son, Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father. And I saw eight things that each one of them uh, expressed to each other. But
But it boiled down to this, and, and so you fathers this morning, and, and those of you who have fathers, uh, understand this, that, that the father loves his children, and the children honor their fathers. And uh, if we, it boils down to those two things, and fathers love your children. I remember when my dad had his stroke, um, and we didn't even know he, if he would live through the night. Lori and I made our way to Denver to be with him, and... Um, he, he, he had lost his verbal skills. He didn't know. He, he, he didn't recognize or wasn't able to communicate. Uh, until the middle of the night, I stayed with him all through the night in the hospital room. My mom and Lori went back to the house, and I stayed with him all through the night. And, and the, the first thing he said was when he, he got out of bed at one point and walked over to me and just put his arms around me and said, I love my children. And that meant the world to me. Uh, it meant the world that those were the words of my father to me. I love my children. So um, fathers, love your children. Let them know that you love them. Amen. Lavish them with love. Lavish. I watch my son loving on his sons, lavishing love on them. Uh, something that I didn't, uh, it wasn't a part of me. I didn't grow up with that sort of, uh, that sort of uh, intimacy. But I watch him do that, and I think he's outdone me, and he loves his children. So fathers, love your children. <coughs> I have <coughs> three very tall grandsons. Uh, they, I don't know, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, something like that. Very Jordan-like. Are you here, Jordan? Anyway. <coughs> One of the, the oldest uh, of my grandsons, uh, Ezra, <coughs> when he was younger, we used to arm wrestle. And when he was five, six, seven, eight years old, we would arm wrestle and it would be a struggle and, and I couldn't, almost could beat him and then all of a sudden he would, he would win every single time until he got older. And when he got older, things began to change. He got a little bit cocky <laughs> and uh, beefier, you know, he's lifting weights and, and he thought he could take me on. And so when he got to that point, I began to beat him every time. Until one day he was at the house with his two brothers and they were horsing around and I watched him drop down and do a one-arm push-up and I thought, <laughs> my arm wrestling days with him are over. <laughs> That's, uh, he, he would beat me legitimately. I will not, I will not embarrass myself with, with uh, trying to challenge him to arm wrestling. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not going to do a Father's Day message this morning. I had planned to do that, but God took me in a different direction. As I began to study this, and um, I, 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 I do want to talk about wrestling, uh, not the fake kind of wrestling, but the legitimate kind of wrestling. Um, I want to talk about a story in the Bible. Uh, it, it's, I, said this, I said in the earlier service, it's a story about Jacob, but to be honest, uh, I know better than that. I have preached for many, many years that the stories in the Bible are, are stories about God. It is a story about Jacob, but only as it relates to the one who is the story, and that is the story of God. Uh, but it tells us a great deal about God. This story does, and, and so I'm excited to share this with you. Jacob was having a very, very stressful day. Um, I have had a few of those in the last few days. Uh, Lori and I have talked about it. In preparing for this message, I was constantly getting interrupted with things and, and legitimate things, but I, I was just, my stress level was just 
through the roof at times. But Jacob was not only having a very stressful day, he was also having, uh, preparing himself for a very bad tomorrow. His outlook for tomorrow was, was, was not very good. He was about to meet his brother for the first time in 30 years after, after running for his life, after he had cheated his brother and, and conned his brother, conned his dad, and, it, and then he ran for his life because Esau was a, Esau was a, was a manly man, and, he, he is, and Jacob knew this, and he thought, man, I'm a dead man. I got to get out of here. And so for 30 years, he was gone. And so he had gotten word, and they were about to meet because now he's kind of been, been sort of kicked out of where he had been. He had been staying with his father-in-law, and, and he was leaving there, and he had no other place to go but, but go back home. And it's been 30 years, and, and he hears that Esau is coming to meet him with 400 men. Now, <laughs> I, I'm thinking, you know, if you're going to meet your brother that you cheated 30 years ago and he's coming with 400 men, well, things aren't so good. Things aren't, don't, don't look so good. And so there's this, there's this thinking, I'm going to have a really bad tomorrow. And so he, he tries to scheme again and he, he sends some of his wealth ahead and then uh, in, in, he's parceled it out so eventually maybe when Esau gets to him he, he's, he's, he's uh, gotten his uh, Jacob's cattle and, and uh, so forth and he's gotten his sheep and maybe by the time he gets to Jacob all will be, all will be forgiven but, so, he's, so he's done all that and he's done all this scheming and then he finally sends his family across the river Jabbok and he, he is left alone the Bible says in Genesis chapter 32, verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. And there he was alone with his thoughts. Have you, ever, have you ever been alone? And I mean truly alone. I mean where you have no electronics, no TV, it's super quiet. And, and most of us don't like that. Usually when we're alone, we like to turn something on. We want noise because we don't like to be alone. But there's been times in my life when I've been alone and and, and it just sometimes is a scary place to be. I remember my first experience with that was when I was 15 years old, and my, my family had been to a, a Bible conference in Zachary, Louisiana, and a friend of mine and I drove all the way back to uh, Dallas to, to come home, but the, my family was left behind. So there I, I was in the home all alone, and this was before electronics and all that sort of thing, and I remember, to this day, I remember very vividly, you know, being alone with myself, my thoughts. I just, I started feeling, uh, sometimes being alone with yourself is not a good thing. It's, it's scary. And so I began to feel this, this um, began to ask myself those serious questions. Like, who am I? And where am I going? And what's the point of all of this? And, and what... What's, what's my, what does my tomorrow hold and, and all these kinds of things? And especially, you know, you, you feel those kinds of things if you're not happy with yourself at the time, and I wasn't. I was not happy, happy with myself. And let's face it, most of the time, we're not happy with ourselves. We're rarely very happy with ourselves. We, we're always thinking, I could do better. I could be better. I could have done better. I, I should be better uh, than, I, than I have express myself to others and Jacob knew things were were ha coming to a head and and the chickens were coming to roost and, and 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 I believe he's he's tired and he's weary he 
He's weary of always having to come up with schemes to get ahead or to stay ahead. And so this night as he's alone, it's, a, it's an aloneness of his own choosing. And maybe it was to think, I don't know, I, I, you know I, I'm trying to think of, I, I try to put myself sometimes in these stories and try to think about what is this person thinking? What's going on in their minds? And, and maybe it was to think, but I don't think, this time I think, you know, am I, am, do I have to come up with one more scheme? But this time I think there's something else going on in Jacob's mind and heart that we'll see as the story goes on. Because he's already done what, all that he could do. He's already tried to send things ahead to appease his brother, and he couldn't do much more. And so I think at this moment that this is all about him and all about who he is and all about his identity. So here he is alone. But how many of you know that with God we are never truly alone? When Jesus was about to face a scary tomorrow, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was about to face a scary tomorrow, he tells his disciples before that, he said, all of you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone. John 16, 32, he says the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will, when you, excuse me, when you will be scattered, each one to his home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. And Jacob would soon discover that he also is not alone. That suddenly out of nowhere, Jacob finds himself in a wrestling match. And again, not like the fake kind. But Jacob finds himself in this wrestling match. In Genesis 32, verse 24, it says, And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Now, I think, as I was reading the story, I think that this wrestling match is really symbolic of Jacob's entire life. That Jacob had been in a lot of wrestling matches, not, not physical wrestling matches, but, you know, matching his wit with others and and trying to mentally score points or win over other people, that he wrestled, again, the birthright and blessing from his brother Esau. He wrestled with his father-in-law for cattle, and he won. And those paled in comparison. Those kinds of wrestling matches pale in comparison when you're struggling in your own thoughts, when you're wrestling deep down in your soul and in your mind on these dark lonely nights that you face sometimes when you're by yourself and and you and you're starting to feel like I'm not all that I should be or who I should be and so he discovers that he's not wrestling that 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 he discovers he's not wrestling in his mind alone but 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 he's struggling with someone else and we later find out Hosea tells us who this person is we're told here that as a man wrestled with him but Hosea tells us that uh, he was wrestling with God. It says in the womb, Hosea chapter 12, verse... Do I not have that? Is that missing? Okay. I guess it was missing pre previous to. Hosea chapter 12, verse 3 says this. In the womb, he took his brother by the hill, and in his manhood, he strove with God. So Hosea tells us that the man was really God. Have you ever wrestled with God? I do it all the time, but... But how, I mean, maybe you didn't realize it at first. Maybe sometimes you just think this is your mind kind of going and churning things and, and uh, maybe in your striving and in your confusion, you think this is just me thinking. And let me tell you, God is involved. God is involved in all of that. 
For Jacob, God is not involved, not only involved, but he initiated. He initiated this. It says a man wrestled with him. Not Jacob wrestling with God, but God is the one who showed up to wrestle with Jacob. God took the initiative. And so in all of our struggles, we think we're the ones wrestling with God, but guess what? We, we, we wrestle in, in this way. We think, man, if I, could just, if I could just twist God's arm a little bit here, if I could just pin him down, if I could just get God to, to do this one thing, if, if, if somehow I could just get what I want out of God, but the Bible says that it is God wrestling with you. And so whatever your struggle is, as you are working out your salvation, and, and it is a working out of our salvation. That's what our whole life, once we become Christians, it's a working out our salvation. And your working out of your salvation is going to look different than mine. But we're all working out our salvation. And, and it can come, it can, it can come in, during strivings and struggles on the inside when we're wrestling with things and confusion and those kinds of things but the bible tells us that while we think that we're the ones wrestling and and working out our salvation god is working in us philippians chapter 2 verse 12 and 13 work out your own salvation with fear and trembling but but realize this it is god who works in you as you're working it out god is working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure now that tells me that god wants this more than you do yeah. right god wants this more than you do the word wrestle uh, i love this i love look etymology i love looking at the root words and i was looking at wrestle and wrestle because i figured that this is probably where wrestle came from wrestle came from the root word rest w-r-e-s-t we don't use that i actually in the etymology it showed how that in the early, late 1800s it was used this much and then it's kind of just, it's, people don't use the word rest anymore, W-R-E-S-T. But rest means to pull something from a person's grasp. If you take something out of somebody's hand, they're resisting you, you take it out of their hand, you're resting that from, from them. And so wrestling has to do with that. And Jacob understands this because his entire life he's been grabbing things. He's been grabbing for birthrights and grabbing for blessings and he's been grabbing for riches. And now it's God's turn because Jacob did all this at the expense of others. Now God is trying to pull something out of Jacob, but not as his, at his expense, but to his blessing. God's trying to draw something and pull something out of Jacob to wrest something from his soul that's hidden deep down inside. And I believe Jacob chose to be alone to sort things out. And I think Jacob was just sick of who he has been all his life. And now he's struggling deep in his soul. But God wouldn't let him face this alone. But God knew Jacob had to face some things first of all. So he shows up at this vulnerable moment in Jacob's life. And he's going to do everything in his power to open Jacob's heart to the truth. Even wrestle him to the ground all night if he has to. And God will also find those moments in your life. Those weak moments, those vulnerable moments when you're open to God in your struggles and in your confusion and in your desperation. And God will come 
Because deep down inside, we all know that we are made some, for something better than this, but God knows it even more so. And God will not let us alone until we acknowledge it, until we, until we claim it, until we recognize it, until we lay hold of it. And God will not let us alone. How many of you know that we're no match for God and, and, and that that's a good thing? I, I've often thought, God, don't let me win. <laughs> uh, sometimes God gives us what we want. What does the Bible say? That God sometimes gives us the desires of our soul, but sends, uh, desires of our heart, but sends leanness to our souls. And sometimes when we get what we want, we feel that leanness. And so God, we're, 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 no, match, we're no match for God. And so uh, God is going to win. But why does God do all of this? I began to ask myself this question, and I had thought about this. To me, this is one of the most intriguing stories in the Bible. I've read this many, many times, and I thought, why is God playing around like this? What, what's going on here? I mean, God could just look at him. My dad could look at me. I've, I've told this story before. My dad could look at me from across the room, and I'd, I'd feel like he was spanking me. You know? <laughs> I could feel the pain. God didn't have to go through all of this. Jacob was facing a potential bad tomorrow, but <laughs> didn't he deserve this? As we were re if we read the story of Jacob, we would go along and think, okay, now he's going to finally get what he deserves. Didn't, 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 aren't we, don't we all reap what we sow? And isn't he about to reap what he's sowing? So why did God show up? Why did God waste his time? Why not let Jacob face the music? Why not J let Jacob fend for himself like he has done his entire life? Okay, Jacob, you, you figured it out all on your own, your entire life. Go ahead, do it again. Jacob has made his bed, let him sleep in it. But here God is pursuing Jacob for his own good. Why? Because of this one little line here. In Malachi chapter 1, verse 2, Jacob, have I loved. Jacob, have I loved. God loved. I said this last service, I'll say it again, because it just came to me when I was writing this a day or two ago. God loved that wascally wabbit. <laughs> God loved that, 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 well, rascal. That's what he was. So God does something incredible. He approaches him as a man, and he goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. I, I don't know if you've ever watched freestyle wrestling. We actually did that when I used to play football during off-season. If you weren't involved in any other sport, they'd have us, they'd spend a, a week or two, we'd box each other, and then another week or two, we'd wrestle, we'd do things, we'd do manly kind of things, and so I, I did that, and, and man, I don't, I would never, I don't know why guys ever sign up to do that, to wrestle. Boxing was kind of fun, but wrestling, I mean, you, you end up, you know, when you do that, you end up in some very undesirable positions and places. Your, your, your face can end up in no man's land, like smelly armpits and, and, uh, sweaty armpits and smelly nether regions so you, you you it can get pretty ugly and so uh 
so God, God, it gets ugly, but it's, there's, some, there's some intimacy there. There's a, there's an, a meshing. God, God loves this man so much that he's willing to become vulnerable himself and be put in positions that he would not normally find himself. The wrestling had already lasted through the night until the breaking of day, and then we're told God saw that he did not prevail against him. Isn't that amazing? And, and I said this because, this again, this is God's story. This is a story about God, not about Jacob. So the fact that God did not prevail against him tells me more about God than it does about Jacob. It tells me something about God. That God, in, in that whole thing, when I was talking about arm wrestling my five-year-old grandson, that doesn't tell me anything about the grandson. It tells me something, that story tells you something about me, that I'm willing to be vulnerable. I'm willing to let him take me and win. So when we find that God said he did not prevail against him, that tells us something about God. Here's what it says in Genesis 32, 25. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, God could have done that from the very first second. All he did was touch him. Boom. Game over. And I'm wondering, I had a friend that had a hip replacement, and a few weeks later, after he was supposedly... Uh, recovered he was standing there all of a sudden the next thing he knows he's on the ground because the hip socket came out and boom there he was and he said I couldn't move I couldn't get up I can you need your hip to get up so he touched the, he touched his hip socket and and so it was a mismatch from the very beginning so why did God delay so long again Jacob have I loved and let me illustrate this. I have several grandsons that when they were younger were full of energy and wanted to wrestle grandpa. I'm, I'm blessed this morning to have two-thirds of my kids here. My daughter Sarah and her husband are visiting from Kerrville, and y'all all know Anna and her family. But I remember wrestling with her boys, and I, and, and I remember as we would wrestle and tussle on the ground, We'd made a game of it, and I'd say, okay, let's, let's attack the one who has a yellow shirt on. They'd look at their shirts, and the yellow shirt person would start running, we'd tackle him, and we'd wrestle him to the ground. Okay, now let's, let's, uh, let's, let's attack the one whose name rhymes with Kalijah. <laughs> and Elijah would think about it for a second. Oh, no, that's me. <laughs> so he would take off, and we would wrestle. And, and sometimes they would be on top of me, getting the best of me, and then other times I would be on top of them and wrestling them down to the ground and then eventually they would win. And we'd laugh about it and would have a moment. And there would be something beautiful about that. Now obviously I could finish that whole apparent titanic struggle in one second. They could say, we want to wrestle with you, Papa," And I could put them all down within just a few seconds, pin them down, say, done, I'm going to go watch basketball. But what, what grandpa would want to do that? What, what father would want to do that? Because then you miss out on, the, on that whole building of relationship, and I think that's what God wanted. God wanted to show something about himself to, 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 to Jacob to say, look, you can, you can handle me this way. I'm okay with that. 
I'm able to bear that and take that. And I'll actually at times think that I'm, 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 uh, I'm winning this thing. Because if, if we did that sort of thing, and, and, and if it had been over in an instant, it would have been pointless. God is saying, I'm really willing to risk loss to be able to, or this is what I would think, I'm willing to risk loss to be able to embrace my grandson in a wrestling hold on the floor. Jacob have I loved. And I love him so much that I'll spend all night with him if I have to. Wrestling to the point of laughter and a closer relationship. And so God was doing this all along, acting like that he couldn't overpower Jacob. What he was doing was he was coming down to Jacob's level and letting Jacob at times feel like that he was on the verge of winning. And it was to draw out of Jacob something that he knew was there and that Jacob needed to know that was there. And Jacob could think from time to time, I'm actually getting the best of God. And God said, winked and said, you know, okay, I'll let you think that. That's okay. I can handle that. But it was to draw out of Jacob what he knew was there and something Jacob didn't realize was there. But also on God's part, as I said, it was a way that God wanted to reveal to us a way in which he wants to relate to us, a willingness to go toe-to-toe and face-to-face with us and wrestle with us. And it seemed God has Jacob where he wants him and teases out of him a bold surrender. Those, those two words came to me as I was working on this message, and I, as I wrote those two words down, because this is the flow of it, and as I was getting to this point, I thought, there's some, there's some kind of dynamic happening here that that seems contradictory to each other there's a boldness on the one hand coming out of jacob but a but a surrender at the same time i thought i've never heard of that before so i wrote it down and 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 as i began to think about it i i thought that's exactly how the the description of this because god said to jacob let me go in genesis 32 verse 26 Then God said, let me go, for the day has broken. Now, here's a question. Did did God really want Jacob to let him go? Or was he trying to draw something out of Jacob? So I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know what, there's another time when this happened. And so I I turned over there, and and, and it's it's Jacob's great-great-grandson, Moses. Moses... Moses uh, is up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments. And meanwhile, back at the camp, the people are growing impatient and they, they'd made this golden calf and began to claim that this was their God. And so God told Moses what was going on and ordered Moses to go back down to the camp. Then God said something very strange to Moses. In Exodus 32, verse 10, God says, Now, leave me alone so that I may so that my anger can burn against them. Leave me alone, Moses. Now what's strange about this is that God didn't have to involve Moses at all. God could have seen what was going on in the camp and thought, left Moses completely out of it and gone and judged, righteously judged what was going on in the camp. But he tells Moses about it and he said, now Moses, this is what's going on. Leave me alone. Now, 
I think there's something going on here because I'm sure what God was really saying was, Moses, leave me alone, but don't, don't leave me alone. Don't leave me alone. Otherwise, why did he tell him? Why is he saying, leave me alone? As though Moses could do anything about it anyway. And so, when you look at what God is saying to Jacob, and he says to Jacob, Jacob, let me go, but, but don't let me go. I think that's what's going on here. I don't have any way of proving that, but as I was reading the story, I thought, and comparing it with this, I thought, that's exactly what's going on here. So back to Moses, when God said, leave me alone, guess what? Moses didn't leave God alone. Moses began to say some very bold things to God, to which God relented. God gave in. And back to Jacob, God said, let me go. And you know what Jacob's response was? I will not let you go. Look at this in verse 26, Genesis 32, 26. He said, let me go the day have broken but Jacob said I will not let you go I love that that's the boldness there that's the the boldness on the one hand but then there's a surrender going on as well now we get to the crux of this story in Genesis chapter 32 verse 26 again this then he said let me go for the day has broken but Jacob said I will not let you go unless you bless me I will not let you go unless you bless me now, for many, many years, I have looked at this story thousands of times probably. I've, I've, uh, I've preached on it from time to time and preached on it really differently than what I'm doing this morning. So this is brand new to me as I was looking at this story again and, and as I read that. Because in the past, this is what I would have thought. Jacob, you're still, what, what is wrong with you? I mean, God's got you here in this, in this place and you're, yet again, you're asking, I need to be, be more blessed. Yeah, I've got, you've given me two wives and a family, and, and I've got the birthright, I've got the blessings, I've got all this, and I've done, I've done all this, and, and, and I, I want one more thing. Give me, you know, bless me. And he has been blessed illegitimately. And, and I'm thinking, Jacob, haven't you learned anything by now? Is this all you can think about? And as I was meditating on this, I realized that, wait a minute, God, that Jacob did get it. That this was, this was a different request. And how do I know that? Because of how God responds to it. Because otherwise, God's response would be, where did that come from? Why'd God say that? Because God knew what Jacob was asking for. God knew the blessing that Jacob was asking for. And so, uh, we can pick up on it by as we listen to God's response and we know exactly what he was asking for because God's response is this in Genesis 32, 27. He responds by saying, he said to him, what is your name? What is your name? This is what this tells me about Jacob's request. The blessing Jacob wanted more than anything else was a new name. Jacob desperately wanted a new name. He wanted a new identity. He did not like who he was. He didn't like the way others viewed him. I want you to imagine something for just a moment because Jacob has had to live with this his entire life. 
he took on his name, and, and that's, that's unfortunate. We, we, we sometimes, the Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And we make something of our name. We can make something of our name. We, Lori and I met a girl in 2021 in, in Colorado Springs, and we were sitting having lunch with her, and, and uh, we were, we had, I'd, I'd been talking about names in, as I was lecturing, and she, we asked her her name, and her name was Jezebel. And I thought, how do I make something good out of this? <laughs> And she's heard her entire life. You know, all the preachers get up and preach on Jezebel, the Jezebel spirit. And she's sitting there thinking, that's me. And so, so Jacob has to live with this name. He was, he was given, I mean, I'm thinking, okay, so he, he's born, he's a twin. His brother is coming out of the womb first, but Jacob has him by the heel. And so he misses the birthright by a foot. And, and, and for whatever reason... His parents thought it would be really cute to name him Heel Grabber. Heel Grabber. Come on. We can do better than that, can't we? Heel Grabber. Amanda talked about Sarah's laugh of doubt, but when she did have Isaac, they named him Laughter. It became a laugh of faith. Now, because they know now that this is the, the seed that will bring forth the promised son of God. And so they name him Laughter. But they call Jacob Hill Grabber. Can you imagine your entire life having to introduce yourself as Hill Grabber? Having to, people call out to you by that name. Kids come over to your house and and go to Rebecca and say can Hill Grabber come out and play <laughs> and, and and wearing that as a name name tag and it's how Jacob saw himself and it's how others viewed him and you know I said in the first service you know if, if, if I'm introduced to Jacob for the first time don't know his name introduced him my name happens to mean godlike who, who is like God Mikhail and, and so you go up and say, hi, I'm Godlike. And he says, I'm Hill Grabber. And you go, oh, ni nice to have met you. <laughs> you know, uh, you know th 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 there's, this, there's this dark cloud over him. And he, and he actually, unfortunately, lives down to that name. And he grabs hills from that point on, trips people up, deceives, connives, hurts people. And it seems at this moment, Jacob had reached the end of his rope, knowing that his brother, all his brother has to do is hear his name, and this flood of memories is going to come back of how he was gypped and robbed by his brother and, 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 and misused, and, 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 and all he has to do is hear that name, Jacob, hill grabber. And at this moment, Jacob did not like who he was. But when God asks, what is your name? I'm sure he looked down at his sandals and it says, admitted, admitted, I'm a hill grabber, I'm Jacob. Genesis 32, 27. He said, I'm Jacob. So you know, some of us don't like who we are. Maybe we've excused our past behavior 
by saying, well, that's just who I am. And I've heard plenty of people say that too in my lifetime. Well, that's just who I am. You have to get used to that. I had an old, old timer say one time, you know, I'm old and I'm cranky and I don't make any excuse for it. That's just who I am. And when I hear people say that, I want to say, you know, who you are needs to change sometimes. The entire last year we talked about transformed, but sometimes we need to be, I mean, we all need to be transformed, but some of us need to really be transformed because we, we sense that people view us in a certain way. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and, and you know that, that you can make something of your name by the life that you live and by who you are. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Uh, well, so, you know, you, you think, I don't like who I am. Maybe you're an angry person. Maybe you have a temper and I've known people like this, and I, I've known people that have a temper, and I am careful around them. And when I see it start up, I just want to back off. See you tomorrow. They have to walk on eggshells. Uh, their, their coworkers have to walk on eggshells around them. And when they, when they raise their voice to their children, their children flinch. Maybe that's who you are, and you don't want to be that way. You don't, you don't want to be that way, or, or maybe you're a negative person, or maybe you constantly worry, or maybe, you, maybe you're impatient. Don't make, get me started on that one. Lori thinks I'm impatient when I get behind the wheel. <laughs> and I am. Or maybe, what, what if you had to wear name tags of, of who you, your temperament? Anger. Worrier. Heel grabber. Impatient, liar, selfish. And just like Jacob, we don't like who we are, but we can't seem to escape it. And Jacob couldn't seem to escape it his entire life. Now, let me remind you, God says, Jacob, have I loved? God loves you as you are. Jacob, have I loved? Not Israel, have I loved, but Jacob, have I loved? But, as we've heard many, many times, God loves him enough to not leave him that way. Because God knows there's something in him much better than that. There's a prince in him. There's royalty in him. Okay? So, he will do whatever he can to transform you into who you truly are. Even wrestle you to the ground until you surrender to him and finally boldly declare who you truly are. So there's a surrendering and a boldness at the same time. In Genesis 32, 28, then God says, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. You are no longer Jacob. Don't call yourself Jacob. Don't see yourself that way any longer. Don't live down to that name. That's not your identity. That's not who you are. That's not how I see you. Instead, you are Israel. Let me show you what Israel means. Uh, then, he, then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. I highlighted striven here. And uh, I wanted you to see that the word striven, and I, and I uh, uh, broke up the word Israel and 
into the three syllables. It is, it's Israel. Okay? That middle part, S-R-A, uh, the last part, by the way, L is short for Elohim. So God is in his name. Jacob didn't have God in his name prior to this. So God is in his name now. But the S-R-A is very important because it's his grandmother's name, Sarah. S-R-A is the word Sarah. Actually, when you look at the word striven here, if you were looking at this in the Hebrew, it's S-A-R-A-H. It's Sarah. Because her name means to strive and ultimately to strive in the sense of coming, striving and, and winning and becoming royalty, therefore a princess. And so... God was saying, look, I know you've looked at yourself in this way your entire life. You've been a hill grabber. But I'm telling you today that you are a prince of God. You have, you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Now, of course, I've let you do that. But <laughs> nonetheless, there's something that God wants out of us. God wants us to, to come to that point where we lay hold of him in boldness but at the same time it's a surrender to lord i'm surrendering to you i can't let you go for one thing my my, my hips out of socket my, my, and, and so i don't know if, if you leave here i may i may die here but but you understand that i can't lay hold of myself anymore i can't de depend on myself god it's you or nothing and so there's that surrender but it's also a laying hold i'm not letting you go until I become who you've called me to be. I want to ask the worship team to come forward. So it's a bold surrender. So I'm asking you this morning, first of all, do you like who you are? Now, there's always things that I need God to tweak in my life, and sometimes I do, do something and I think about it later and I think, well, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have done that, but then I do it often and it becomes a pattern and then I realize that this, this is me and I don't want to be like that. I've seen things in my mom and dad that I thought, I don't ever want to be that, and then all of a sudden I look at the mirror and I thought, well, there I am. <laughs> and I realize I don't want to be that. I want to be, I did a message many years ago called Saving Our Fathers and part of that was to see those kinds of things and see those weaknesses and say, I want to redeem that. You know, if I was, if my dad was, was ugly to his kids, I want to be better than that. And I want to change that. I want to redeem that. Dad, I know that wasn't really you. That's what came out of you. So I'm going to do better so I can redeem that name. I can redeem who you are. I can transform that and become better and then instill that in my own kids and make them even better than I was. And so there's that, there's that desire, and I think that there's that, there, there's that desire to, to transform not only ourselves, but also to transform our kids. Fathers, you need to do that. You need to see. You know, Abraham lied to Abimelech. Isaac did the same thing, and the third generation becomes a deceiver. But then God intervened and wrestled him and said, okay, no more. It's going to stop here. And then he gets to bless his 12 children with prophetic things that are very, very powerful. So his children become m more than Jacob. They become Israel. Amen.
Amen. Come on, can we give Michael a hand? <laughs> Will you stand to your feet with me? So I was thinking about that message and just thinking about some of us even in the room right now that just that that part where we discover what it is that Jacob was asking for when he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And in God's response, he says, what is your name? And I love that because God knows. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows how you feel about yourself right now. He knows the lie that you've believed about yourself or what other people have said about you. But here's the great thing about God is in a moment, the same thing can happen for you. And maybe you're standing here right now in this auditorium thinking to yourself, I don't like who I've become. I don't like the decisions I've made along the way. I don't like where this has led me. I don't like the person that I have turned into. Here's the great news for you today. God is so good that when you lay it down, He can take it and He can give you a new name. And you can walk out the doors today a new person with a new name. And you don't have to go home today or go to wherever you're going today in the same mindset of, I don't like who I am. I don't like who I've become. No, God can make all things new. And He can change your name today. Come on, do you believe that? So I want to invite our prayer team to come down, and I do want to pray for you. We're going to worship together. And here's my prayer for you, is that as we lift our hands and lift our voices in just a moment to honor God and worship Him and give Him praise and set our attention on Him, is that if you're here and you're, you're in that place and you think, I don't, I don't like who I am, I can relate to this story because I don't like the person that I've become and I want God to change that today. It's not too late. And you're not too far gone. God can change it today. And so my prayer for you is that when the temptation may be to remain at your seat in pride, that there would be something fall off of you and that you would take the first step that you would take a step toward God today and say, you know what, God, I want a new name. I want you to do something new in my life. I need you to restore my marriage. I need you to restore my relationship with my kids. I need you to guide me, and I need you to lead me, and I need you to be the person that I look to because for so long I've been looking to myself and my own understanding. So I want to pray for you, and then it doesn't have to be that. It could be anything going on in your life that you slip out of your seat and you say, you know what, I need, I need prayer for this. I need encouragement for this. I need you to believe with me for this. But especially that, I just felt it so strong as that word was, was coming forth that maybe there are some of you that you would say, I just don't like who I am, and I want God to give me a new name. I want to walk out transformed. I want to walk out new. So Lord, today, as we stand here in your presence and we prepare to worship you with song and lifting our hands and our voices to you. God, I pray that you would do a work on the inside of us right now in this moment. And for those of us in the room that would, that we would be willing to say, I just don't like the person I've become. 
Maybe it's decisions that we've made along the way. Maybe it's something that happened to us that we believe, believed a lie that somebody said about us, and we just don't like the person that we are today. God, we thank you that you can change that in a moment. In a moment, God, you can do something so significant in our hearts and in our lives. So, Holy Spirit, as we sing this song, I pray that you would draw every single person today who needs prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.